This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the show where myself, Dan Selke of WinnersComedy.net, and Cheryl Watsonar of Cultures.com. Talking about this Game of Thrones song by some fire genre fiction news, and a, only like a month and change out from the final season of Game of Thrones, there's plenty to talk about. There is. I'm prepared to talk about these things, but I'm not prepared for the new season, so let's just jump right in, Dan. I'm really ready to. I'm, I'm, I know you I'm, are. I'm ready to watch it. I know you are. And hello, everybody, for joining us. Hey, yes. Julie. Hey, Berthel. Hey, Terry, Kenny, Kevin, and Sean. Glad you could be here. Hi, and we do have, I'll warn you at the top, we do have some spoilery stuff to go over today for the final season of Game of Thrones. So yeah. if you, in the unlikely event, you are uncomfortable with spoilers for this show on um, watching this show, um, you might want to plug your ears for a second. Otherwise, let's dive in. Do it. Let's okay. go. Tell me everything. Okay. First up. Okay. Okay. We have some information about some characters who are going to return for the final season of Game of Thrones that we didn't really think we were going to see. This happened when HBO, in its uh, hubris, published a cast list for the first episode of season eight, season eight premiere, which I'm going to just going to be guess is called um, uh, "Welcome Back, Everybody." Winter is here. I'm booking it now. I'm gonna say Winterfell, but yeah, I guess Winter is here too. Yeah, keep going. Anyway, they have a cast list, and those yeah. everybody is going to be there. And two names popped up that we haven't seen for a while. Okay, so this this is the point where you should turn back if you don't want to know spoilers. Yeah. In season eight, we are going to see again for the first time in a couple of years, Robin Aaron, played by Lino Fascioli, and uh, Edmure Tully, played by here we go Tobias Menzies of Outlander fame. If anybody watches that fine program. Mm-hmm. All right, so Cheryl, my question to you is, okay, a, did you think that we would see these guys again? I wouldn't have like dead on said it like, oh yeah, they're going to be back. Mm -hmm. But the more I think about it, the more it makes sense to me because I think this season is going to do a lot with the concept of family just because of the whole John Daenerys, oh, by the way, that's incest thing. Mm -hmm. And these (laughs) are 
Stark relatives. More specifically, they're related to Sansa and Arya. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they come back and kind of complicate the whole family ties thing. Sure. Well, I mean, there you go. I don't think Robin Aaron's a Stark relative technically. Yeah, he is. Is he? He's Lysatel. He's Lysatel. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, god. Yeah. You know what? I never thought about that, that they're actually cousins. They're actually cousins. Okay, and they wanted to marry Sansa to him. Why can't they stop with the... That's more incest. That's new incest. But yes. I should have known that already. Obviously, yes, they're cousins. Yes, they are cousins. Yeah, you know, just saying that. <laughs> hey, Kenny, did, you, did I get my email about Arya, says Kenny? I don't think I did, Kenny. Um, if you want, email me at dan.selke at winneriscoming.net. We can write it in the, in the chat there. Yeah. Hopefully I'll get it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm intrigued by this. I, yeah. I think, yeah, family's important. Yes. I also think they'll need, because the, as they're kind of minor characters in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. but they do both hold positions of great power. Like Robin Aaron, now that Littlefinger is dead, and, you know, Sansa is only kind of, like, the, the Knights of the Vale follow her, but she's not technically in charge. Yeah. Robin Aaron is... Oh my God, just God help us, but the ruler of the veil. He is Lord of the Vale. He is Warden of the East, yeah, if you like will. Warden of the East who was breastfeeding until he was 13 years old. So he's in charge. Oh God, yes. And I'm, I don't know if he'll show yes, up he at is. Winterfell, like maybe bringing the remaining Knights of the Vale to help fight the White Walkers. That's my guess. Yeah, mine too. Which, by the way, could get awkward. I mean, okay, here are two scenarios. Robin Aaron shows up and he, as much as a man child as always, and just... Starts right up with the whole, like, oh, you'll be my new mommy girlfriend, won't you, Sansa? And that'll be disgusting. <laughs> but what if he's, like, grown up a little bit and he's now, like, into this really awkward, like, a teenage emo stage and he has some pimples and he's trying to grow out of it? Teenage emo. <laughs> teenage emo. Because the last Aaron. time we saw him, he was getting some actual martial training. He was. He and was like, failing, but he was getting it. Look, small steps. <laughs> Baby steps. We know where this guy, with where this boy start, started. Mm-hmm. Seven, help him. So that's a good point. He has grown a bit. Like, I, I don't expect full on Liana Mormont because there is only one person that can occupy that space, and that's Liana Mormont. But uh, I expect. Oh no. A little, yeah. I expect a little more maturity, dubious maturity, but maturity. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to sell complete man child when he's that old yeah i here's one thing i wonder maybe he comes he has the army with him and he's still immature but sansa has to like talk him down to like yeah. he wants to go back to the bay with all his knights and he's and it's gonna fall to sansa to convince him yeah to stay whether that means marriage whether that means just Slapping placating head. again maybe maybe he maybe, perhaps she did that and he's like had a questioner ever since okay that went a place <laughs> that i didn't need it to go so it's let's talk about Edmure Tully, Great. please. Edmure Tully, okay. So last time we saw him, season six, yeah. he is getting thrown in a dungeon by Walder Frey. Walder Frey's dead. All the Freys are dead. Edmure Tully is, I think, the last remaining Tully that we know of? Yes. He's the last remaining Tully that actually counts as part of House Tully. Because uh, yes. there's a bunch of Tully. By the way, is. Kenny, I, I do get your emails. I have gotten your emails before. He's saying that he never wins giveaways because I email. I swear to get emails. I just have not gotten your one about Arya. Yeah. But I, I remember getting your emails to pass giveaways, and it, it just was never quite quick enough. I'm very sorry. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Edmure Tully, yeah. In charge of the Riverlands, or technically he technically. is. Technically. 
So I could see him. Jamie I picks mean, him up. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Perhaps like in season seven, because we haven't seen him since the, all the phrase died at Arya's hands. Mm. Maybe he like uh, rounded up the Riverlander armies now and mm-hmm. he's been fixing things up a bit. Yeah. While all this crazy dragon invasion stuff's been going on. Yeah. I could see that. Just been having a quiet, quiet little time in the Riverlands. As quiet as possible, considering all the political stuff that's happening too. I mean, next to dragon battles, fighting the Lannisters, it's positively dead silent. Tame, even. Yeah, and White Walkers with yeah. undead bears and stuff. Yeah. It's just it's everything's easy. happening. All he has is just... He's puttering people. around his garden or something. Anyway, I, I am very glad they're going to bring him back. Yes. Both of them. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I'm not the kind of guy who demands that all the loose ends be tied up. I think that might actually be a bad thing. Like, I, I, I don't like the obsessive, like, I have to fix every tiny thing for this story to end. I didn't like Deathly Hollows for that reason. I, uh, there are some other things I haven't liked because of that. But they're pretty big characters. They do have roles to play. I'm they happy do. to see that they'll come back and mm-hmm. they will be resolved, their arcs, somehow. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm very much down to see kind of how like Edmure and Robin both react to how their nieces and cousins, respectively, have kind of grown up since the last time they've seen them. Yeah, good point. Like Sansa's just like, what's up? <laughs> Y'all are incompetent. So more crap. Yeah. Like she's like sitting like she has like the power seat and she's just like, what? What's up? That's oh, all I need. Sean points out. Yeah. Ebner does have a son. Uh, oh, we, didn't they put the baby in the catapult? though? No, he, they threatened to. Oh, Jamie okay. threatened to. I don't think it actually happened. Look, I don't put anything past Jamie Lannister. <laughs> so, yeah, there actually there is a uh, Tully ancestor. The Tullys are actually not Tully doing that. Yeah, descendant. Yeah. That bad comparatively to other families in the show. That's a little weird. Yeah, I mean, it's a low bar to clear. There's an air. It's true. It's a very low bar to clear. Yeah. Okay, so that's happening. Yes, that's That's happening. That's all nice. Yes. Um, Speaking of Sansa, do you hear anything about that she's going to wear armor in season eight? I'm strongly into that. Yeah, that'll be fun. I support that 100%. I'm here for it. (laughs) It's all I need for season eight. I wonder if she'll have, like, a ceremonial sword or something. Because, I mean, she's not going to, like, fight in the melee or anything, but she can be in a Queen Elizabeth kind of a stately figure, figurehead kind of thing. I'm in a not piece ready. Of armor. Be fun. I'd be so excited for that. I sense that you're into it. Uh, whatever gave you that idea. How will Robin get along with his uncle, asked Sean. Oh, Uncle Edmure? Oh, um, uh, yeah. I wonder if they'll even bother meeting. I feel like they're just kind of going to be awkward with each other. To answer your question, like, I feel like they're just going to be awkward. Like, they don't really know each other very well. Like, you know, Lysa was kind of crazy. Uh, And Edmure probably remembers that. So that's kind of my off the gut. That's the cool thing about Game of Thrones or just medieval times. Like, you know, if we have our crazy families, we have, we know, we can travel by plane and train and car to see them at Thanksgiving and stuff. But in this world, Lysa goes off to the Eerie. You're not seeing her. Nope. For like decades until she begins no, to come down. It was a whole big plot point when Catelyn took Tyrion to the yeah. to the Vale that she hadn't seen her sister in forever. And you're different, lady. And what whoa, happened? some things <laughs> happened. Um, but yes, I think that would be kind of the relationship. I don't think it's going to be explored very much because sure. you know they're not yeah. super major characters. It's also weird to think how all the people are related. I I I, I forgot that yeah, Edmure and Robin are nephew and uncle. And yeah. Sansa, Arya, and Robin are cousins. Weird. Yeah. It's all... And Bran. Everyone's related, but nobody cares about Bran because he doesn't care either. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Yes. Um, some more spoiler stuff. This is a little bit less spoilery, but still fun. So 
for season eight, the production of Game of Thrones built this giant, massive, enormous uh, King's Landing set. Ah, yes. At uh, the paint or outside the paint hall in Titanic Studios, Northern Ireland. So huge, so amazing. Um, we've gotten like some far away pictures and videos from now because no one's going to get close enough to really snap it on the inside. But thanks to the um, ever-present satellite surveillance that r- runs our lives now. Um, we can now see up close images of the King's Landing set using Google apps. And I will warn you, this is another sort of spoilery thing. Cause I mean, this has been known, but you might not know it. Yeah. We're like some pictures and close your ears now if you don't. Okay. Basically King's Landing has been destroyed. Look at that. Look at those beautiful Oops. pictures of what uh, they will look like in season eight. The quality. Isn't that great? Oh, Oh, it's right up in there. Oh the yes. Front gate, the great. Blasted to hell. There's like the main thoroughfare. Look at the buildings that are just been wrecked. On the Ugh, this is all over. fantastic. Like the warped columns, I'm guessing for uh, that's that Dragonfire is that is extremely. Neat. Oh, there are more of these. I know there are more of these. I'm just. And that's the oh, full thing. That's so great. I know it's looking great. I love science. So, I mean, yeah. Surveil me. Go ahead. <laughs> So yeah, we have the front gate. It's blasted all to hell. The thoroughfare we got there. Oh, the buildings are all crumbling on all the yep. sides and just debris everywhere. A white tower. And that's the Red Keep facade. They built one giant facade of the Red Keep. Yeah, right there. Excellent, Richard. You're panning spectacularly. Great job. It's a team effort here. So yeah, basically, we can see... So you can go right now to Apple Maps, I guess is what it is, mm-hmm. which I haven't actually heard of. Um, and it just gets... I use Google Maps. What? Fine. a map function? It's fine. And go and look at the Game of Thrones set in all, in all its detail. Yes. Like a 3D tour of it. It is fantastic. Because we just took all of these. You can take your own pictures. It's fine. And just see from every in and out. And obviously, I mean, we knew it was going to get destroyed, but it's just fun to be able to see it up close. It's going to look so good on screen. It's going to look great. It's going to look so freaking they good. They spent so much money. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Dan Turton asked, how do we access these? You go to Google... Apps, Google Maps. No, sorry, it's Apple, Apple Apps. Apple Maps. Apple Maps. Yeah. And uh, I believe you just type in the address. It's the Paint Hall Studios in Belfast, uh, Belfast Northern Ireland. Titanic yeah. Studios at the Paint Hall in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. And you can explore it at your leisure. Fancy. And just take whatever, whatever you want. I'm sure winterscoming.net has also written about these. Oh, of course. They have yes. all these pictures. Yeah, David you can take, it, take a look them. at winterscoming.net for more details. And Julie asked, where's the bodies? I'm guessing in the prop room. <laughs> yeah, they pulled the bodies out. This yeah. is too much of a spoiler as it is. <laughs> it's going to leave the bodies yeah. out, in like the, out in the set. Just they let the bodies the hit the floor and they left them there. Exactly. But yeah, that'll be fun. And yes. you know, after it's all over, I think they're, they're leaving that set up as a tourist attraction. I guess, are they going to leave it up as like a destroyed set? And eh, we'll see. I feel like that would be almost more fun than walking through a pristine set. At least for me. Um, yes, I don't know. Eh, we'll see. I'll probably go there eventually and take like some pictures. broken things, so. <laughs> well, I would like, I would just I like, like to. I like broken ab- things. Yeah. Phew, that sounded deeply emo. Um, but I, I feel like it would be nice to walk up and kind of see the destruction, like how well constructed it is mm-hmm. as oh, like totally. a the messed detailing. up set. Yeah. And as Kenny's pointing out, uh, it, it's Apple Maps, uh, Christian. I know I was getting confused myself. 
Yeah. Um, as Kenny points out, there was that scene in season two where Daenerys had the vision of the House of the Undying. She walked through the broken throne room. Yep. So they've known they're going to do this for a long time. And I'm yeah. just looking forward to seeing it finally up on the screen. Let's go. For my viewing pleasure. And Julie wants blood and guts. I do too. Speaking of blood and guts. Oh, what a transition. Okay. <laughs> um, HBO Marketing Machine. Yes. In full uh, scale. Full speed ahead. What do you think of this? So HBO is doing a way to promote Game of Thrones season eight called Bleed for the Throne, where it is holding around the world, partnering with the American Red Cross, although there are things in other countries too, a blood drive from, I believe it's uh, now, it's like March 7th through the 12th. They're going to be holding Game of Thrones themed (laughs) blood drives around the world. You will get a free t-shirt with that symbol on it, which is pretty cool. Come on, the bloody Iron Throne. Um, And if you get your, if you give blood, before, I didn't write it down, um, before the 15th, I believe, March 15th, you can get entered in for a chance to see the Game of Thrones season 8 premiere. Fancy. Quite nice. Yeah. Do you like this idea? Blood drive? I think it's pretty creative. It's weird, but I'm into it. I mean, I feel you know? bad saying it's weird because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, th- th- this blood's going to go to help people. It's going to go to the American Red Cross yeah. and people who need it. Yeah, I'm not saying it's weird to give blood, like, right. if you are able to consider it. Um, but if, if it's, <laughs> you know, but, like, Game of Thrones at a blood drive. It's bloody. Yeah. It dovetails. It makes, it makes a weird amount of sense, but it's just, it's you know, it's something you don't always expect from your giant, media franchises. I think it's actually pretty cool because I, I mean... D- I mean, yes. I'm, I mean, the, yeah. Like, at first I thought it was creepy, but, but the more I think about it, it's like they're partnering to do some good. And, you know, we're not going to tell you to go give blood because that'd be highly inappropriate. But, uh, I don't know. I might do it. That's why I settled for consider if you're able. Yes, consider, exactly. And yeah. Eric Pritchard says, I'm going to donate blood for the first time to get in on this, which I hey, think is a great there idea. There you go. There you go, Eric. Very right. proud of you. And finally, and let's, finally, let's go beyond the wall for a second and talk <laughs> Moving about from blood to walls. Oh boy, blood walls, and talk about something. Idea for a fantasy novel, blood wall. Um, talk about something that's not related to Game of Thrones. Okay. Okay. Uh, so Game of Thrones is almost over. It's going to end, and there are a lot of networks who are rushing to get the next big show in there. Yes, they. Are. Yes, they are. Maybe the highest profile is Amazon's giant Lord of the Rings show. I'm a giant fan of Lord of the Rings. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess at least some of you watching like Lord of the Rings too, because it's a, it, there's the Venn diagram of Lord of the Rings fans and Game of Thrones fans. I think it's a lot of overlap. High fantasy, you know, dragons, medieval styles. I'm not a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. Are you not? No. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm not. I've read the books before everyone gets up in arms. I've read the books. How about I've, the Silmarillion. I don't hate myself that much. <laughs> um, it was hard to get through. Yeah, I read the books. I like. I respect Lord of the Rings for what it did for the genre. Sure. I wouldn't call myself a, a die-hard fan, though. I do appreciate the movies as great cinematic adaptations, and yeah. y'all can come at me for that one. Um, oh, no, I completely agree with you. They, but um, yeah, it's like influential you know, like, too. It's it's a. It is a thing that I enjoy, but it's not something that I will, like, you know, fight and kill for. Fair enough. If you will. Metaphorically fight and kill. Well, I'm a pretty big fan, and Amazon's making this giant, splashy series. Yes, they are. Really, like, a, a half a billion dollars to make the first two seasons. So much money. So much money. <laughs> and they finally started to, like, tease 
to like kind of give us promotions about it, to tell us about that, yeah, tell us a bit about it. All right, what and did they, they give re- us? They tweeted out a map of Middle Earth, where Lord of the Rings takes place, and uh, there it is. This is the official Amazon release of the Lord of the Rings show, and for anybody who's as drunk about this as I am, you might note, hopefully you wouldn't, that uh, as pointed out to me by some nerds on the internet, um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, a very intelligent commenter <laughs> named uh, Calvin Schultz Winners Coming Net. Yes. The area we know as Rohan, where the horse lords live, um, here is labeled as Kalinardhan. There you go. Excellent. You, Richard, your panning game is expert today. So what that tells us is this show is probably going to be set about at least 500 years before the events of the main Hobbit and Lord of the Rings show because Kalinardhan was the old name for Rohan before they changed it pretty deep into the third age of Middle-earth. I'm saying a lot of dorky words right now. For those who are listening on our podcast, <laughs> the face that I am making is just kind of <laughs> blank resignation. Uh, I swear it would be really exciting if you were into The Lord of the Rings. I, I'm excited. I think it's interesting that they're exploring something different. They're not just going to yeah, make a sure. show about young Aragorn, because I know that was the rumor. That, that was, was the rumor. Around. And I mean, they still could. I mean, it's just a, it's just a tweet and a map. Yeah, but, um, but it seems, if I recall, it does that seem intentional. the map also came with some lines from the poem about oh, yeah. the one ring and all the other rings. So it's, you know, three rings for the Elven Elven lords, lords and and the, five for, seven the, for the dwarves, dwarves, five for the men. All that oh, good stuff. yeah, seven for the dwarves, excuse me, and then nine for the men due to, doomed to die and then one ring to rule them all, blah, blah, blah. Um, and <laughs> everyone was like... Oh, so maybe they're going to be looking at the forging of the other rings as yeah, opposed to the one ring. Um, and that could also be interesting. I mean, I'm always down for more elves. Sure. What it tells me is they're, they know their uh, fake Middle-earth history. They paid someone to know their fake Middle-earth history They for paid them. well for someone they to know their fake Middle-earth history. very well <laughs> for someone to know the fake history. You could have paid me. I would have told you stuff. But, but then who would I talk about Game of Thrones with every week, Dan? Empty chair. Oh, well, I suppose I could do that. <laughs> um, but yes, I think it's interesting that they're teasing at least that they're going to go somewhere different with this and not just yeah. rehash everything over and over I'm again. Interested. And, um, I'm interested, too. And I'm glad for the opportunity to flex my uh, Lord of the Rings nerd muscles. And I'm sure that uh, other people on the internet are, too. I'm glad to appreciate your guys' work, even if my expression doesn't show it. It's intelligent, you know, like the way they're doing it. Because they know if they release some vaguely cryptic thing on the internet... Idiots like me will jump on it and overanalyze it and, you know, spit out stuff and about theories like that's 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 the new marketing way. It's free real estate, Dan. It really is. But yes, why would you pay me? I'm doing this for free. All right. Any other thoughts, Cheryl? I mean, I'm excited for Game of Thrones to come back. (laughs) I'm ready. Me too. I'm so glad that we were able to discuss family relations on Game of Thrones and make sure that everybody's clear on who's related to whom. And we'll we'll do it some more. Um, Oh, yes, we will. All right. Um, Until next week then, everybody, it's been a pleasure, and I will see you next week. And we're going to bring on Josh Hill for a song of Ben and Josh after these coming attractions. Oh, Ned Stark, will you ever learn? Oh, 
Sorry, I didn't see you there. I'm Dan Selke, the editor at WinnerIsComing.net, your one-stop shop for all things Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, and genre fiction in general. We here at Wick love bringing you news, reviews, and editorial content, and we're going to keep doing all that stuff. However, for the especially hardcore among you, we're going to start offering even more. Welcome to the Wick Club. The Wick Club is a Patreon-funded effort to provide fantasy and sci-fi fans with even more Wick content. You can join at several levels. For $1 a month, you can enter into monthly swag giveaways and get to read extra columns. At $4, you'll get to watch extra episodes of Take the Black Lie, our weekly chat show, with topics chosen by you. Please be gentle. And at the Valyrian Steel level, that's $10 a month, you get Wick Club t-shirts and access to a new segment we're calling Drinking and Knowing Things, a monthly live stream where I drink wine and talk with all of you in a free-flowing conversation about Game of Thrones, fantasy, sci-fi, and whatever else comes up after I've had a few. Just to be clear, we're not going to stop doing anything in Wick we already do, and we're hoping to add more stuff anyway. The Wick Club is a way to produce even more content, and hopefully to get to know some of you better. You can find links to more information below. We hope to see you in the Wick Clubhouse. Valor Morghulis, bottoms up, and thanks for watching. I'm pretty sure we're back. Uh, I am Dan Selke, and I'm here now joined by fan-sided editor and uh, Overmunch, right. Josh Hill. Hello. Overmunch, indeed. And we're here to discuss uh, A Clash of Kings, the second book in George R.R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire series. Yeah. On this, here's what we do, Josh, If just to catch you up, is you and I read through each and every chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire. Oh. I've read all the books multiple times. So you have never read the books. Wait, that's what we're doing? That's what we're doing. Oops. I, I didn't mean, prepare for this then. <laughs> <laughs> I read a different book. I read Gone with the Wind. I thought we were reading Lord of the Rings. You're just talking about Lord of the Rings. It's <laughs> oh, true. Damn it. We kind of are. Um, and we go through every chapter, break them down, see what makes them more, what makes them, uh, makes them special. Yep. And we're on Clash of Kings. We're still pretty early on in it. We just read the first John chapter from A Clash yeah. of Kings. Josh. What were your hot takes on this or your initial reactions? Uh, ben Jen. We got a Ben Jen mention. So we did. I do like him. Um, uh, these John chapters are very interesting because there's not, not a whole lot ever goes on. And it's also kind of like a, a string of these last chapters that we've read. Not a lot oh, went on in the totally. Brand chapter, not a lot That's went what on I'm the Aria like chapter. These... Yeah, the streak continued where it was like, okay, we got some information but not a lot, and there was barely any action. Which I mean, and let's qualify. We are reading one chapter a week at a time yeah. in a book that, like, that's not how you read books. <laughs> so yeah. it's, but it's very I mean, episodic, just yeah. like Game of Thrones. I, I think if we were reading like a normal person and just like reading oh, the book, those like, few chapters sit down for an hour, yeah. and then you just read a few chapters in a oh, row, yeah. it goes a little faster. But yeah, we've definitely been in setup land for mm -hmm. a while now, and that continues here absolutely. Like this is one of. The, Nothing really happens in this chapter. John and Sam are talking to the library. John's talking to Lord Commander Mormont. And we get some interesting, um, a, lot, a lot of foreshadowing, but uh, we're basically just caught up with what's happening. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is Lord Commander Mormont's going to take a lot of Night's Watchmen, like 300 strong, take him beyond the wall, find out what happened to Benjen Stark, yep. find him, dead or alive, bring him home, dead or alive, and just uh, go on a big old fact-finding mission. John's coming. Sam's coming. Sam. How does Sam feel about that? <laughs> he feels like Sam. <laughs> he feels <laughs> a little... This is uh, not a strong man Sam is. But <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't define him as the strongest soul. 
Uh, but he's there with John, so it's like this. It's the, I like the tandem, the friendship that they have. Yeah, it is cute, like, right? It is because Sam's very much not looking forward to doing anything that no, exerts any sort of. He does effort, not want to go north of the spooky wall. But John's there, and that's kind of like a safety net for him. So it is like this cool little buddy cop element to their whole relationship. I was charmed by how much of a giant nerd Sam was in this chapter. So he, we see him in the library like late at night. He's looking for maps. Uh, and Foreshadowing. You think so? Well, in the show, because doesn't he find out about the Valerian Steel or whatever in uh Yeah, he does. The library? He oh, he finds out the Dragonstone map. Yeah, I guess yeah. you're right. I mean, he's always in a book or something. He's going to do it. And uh, he's... he's he, he's waxing poetic to John about these manifests he found for like Night's Watchmen a thousand years ago. But like, look at all the pickled herring they ate. And John's <laughs> like, who cares about how much pickled cod they ate 600 years ago? And Sam says, I would. You can learn so much from ledgers like that. Truly you can. It can tell you how many men were in the Night's Watch then, how they lived, what they ate. And John says, they ate food, and they lived as we lived. So I, I like that contrast, that Sam is this incredible huge nerd. Well, he, he is big, but in, in, incredibly huge <laughs> yes. nerd who is actually interested in 600-year-old like uh, inventories yeah. of like how much pickled cod they had in the thing. No, I like and that. And John's like, can we go? It makes him endearing. It does. Make Sam endearing. is this character who doesn't fit in with any of the other characters, these traits that these other characters have. Because you've got all of these warrior characters, you have all mm -hmm. of these alphas, and then you've got Sam, who's just Sam. He's not even a beta. He's, he's not an alpha. He's, he's just Sam, and he's talking about cod that's six hundred years old, and all. And he's interested in it, and he's genuinely interested. He, there's a there's a relatable, endearing quality to Sam, where it's like, because I was reading that, and I was like, oh, I, not specifically about six hundred year old no, fish, not but cod, like I could be like, oh, I could see myself. You're into like the minutia of Star Wars. Yeah, like reading about it, and the, yeah, because I was going to compare these chapters to The Last Jedi, where not a lot happens in a single movie, and we're Ooh. just going through these chapters, but there's a lot of setup in between things. But yeah, the minutia of Star Wars. But like that would be something that I like would, would nerd out about, the same that Sam would nerd out about pickled herring, which is exactly. And not I mean, the same I thing. But I was talking about some fire, because here we are. Um, yeah, so I relate to that. I, th I think Sam is a, is a kind of a self-insert character for George R. R. Martin. He is... Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, it's totally true. Oh, He's, you know, time. the bookish... Oh, yeah. Kind of bigger nerd. <laughs> yeah. Bearded. <laughs> beard. No, Sam can't grow a beard. Are you kidding? <laughs> okay. Not enough testosterone. Suspenders probably under the thing. So that's, that's adorable. And yeah. of course, he's doing that in part because he is utterly terrified to go on this ranging north of the wall. He has to go because someone has to watch over the ravens, mm -hmm. and he's good with animals, and he can write, so he can write messages. And he's like, you can write? Why don't you do it? John's like, I'm going to be busy. Sorry. You got a squire. You got to come. Which is great because like, I would definitely go into the Night's Watch being like, you know what I'll do? I'll do the one thing that'll never require violence. I'll write. And then <laughs> here he's thrust into this thing. Yeah, it's go. like, I'm good with animals, and I can write words. I will never have to wield a sword. And it's like, nope, here you go. And he's terrified, which, you know, I'll get over which I would it. also be. Of course, who wouldn't be? We're all Sam. Can we just say it? I also like this little bit. So th this is just kind of the start of it. We also get some dis... There's a lot of describing the wall just because, again, we yeah. remember, this is the first time we're seeing John in a new book. Mm -hmm. We saw him three years ago. So he's yeah. not going to like dive right in. He's going to take descriptions. But I, li I like the descriptions. <clears throat> The color of the wall was wont to change with every shift of the light. Now it was the deep blue of frozen rivers, now the dirty white of old snow, and when a cloud passed before the sun, it darkened to it the pale gray of pitted stone. Wow. What an evocative wall. Very evocative. I like it. I like Very the visceral. Little... Yeah. 
It's immediate. I can see it. It took me there. Mm-hmm. I can. I see mean, I've seen it in the show, so it kind of like spoils <laughs> a little bit for me. My imagination has been soiled, but sure. But still, well, well described. It's Mr. a well Martin. described wall. That's how I described it the first time I saw the show. I went down to a friend, and I was I described it exactly like that. <laughs> so when I read it in the chapter, I was like, "My God, is it possible for somebody to plagiarize something that I said 15 years after they wrote it?" I think you should sue him and find out. And uh, beyond that, we get some other. Uh, at this point, everybody interprets this comment differently yeah. in the air. Mm-hmm. Everybody, like I remember, Arya saw it as a ice Ned sword that used to the top of his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first guy thought it was an omen of dragons, and now we get people are calling it Mormont's torch, sent by the gods to light the old man's way through the haunted forest, mm-hmm. to guide the Night's Watch ranging beyond the wall. Yeah. So again, we kind of hit that a bunch of times that theme of. Oh, yeah. Perspective. Everybody says it's been different. Yada, yada, yada. There is no truth but your own. That kind yeah. of thing. So that's happening. Um, we also get just, uh, just again, a lot of foreshadowing, both plot and thematic. I liked this bit where Donald Nye, the armorer at Castle Black, talks about the Baratheon brothers, who will dominate a lot of this book. Okay. A lot of this is Stannis and Renly fighting, is the Clash of Kings. Robert was the true steel, says Donald Nye. Stannis is pure iron, black and hard and strong, yes, but brittle, the way iron gets. Stannis will break before he bends. And Renly, that one, he's copper, bright and shiny, pretty to look at, but not worth all that much at the end of the day. Which I think is, again, these characters are going to be huge in this book. And that is a great, that is like the Stannis description. Mm -hmm. He's iron. He's hard, but he's brittle. He'll break before he bends. Now, Stannis is unwielding. We know that. Stannis will do whatever it takes up to burning his daughter to do what he thinks needs to be done. Even if it's incredibly ill-advised and then all his army de- deserts him and he charges and gets killed. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's very, that's very um, what's the word, perspective there yeah. and a very accurate prospect of what we're going to get. And Renly, again, of this kind of like a kind of frivolous dude who is trying to be king partly because it's fun. And not really because he really want, burns with the desire to do it or yeah. has a sense of duty about it. <clears throat> and again, I think it's nice that we get that set up here, even though this story will not interact with the Baratheon stuff at all. But we do have a character here who knows them hmm. and can tell John a little bit about what these guys are, which is more for our benefit because yeah. John's not going to... He, he, I guess he will meet sense eventually, but he's not going to meet these guys for books and books yet. Mm-hmm. But we're going to meet them a lot in these pages. <laughs> uh, exposition. I love it. I mean, a little but again... Setup. It, 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 it doesn't really read as exposition. No, a, it doesn't. A, because it's well-written. Well, it's world-building, too, because it's like, here's yeah. this character that knows of these other characters that we're going to be talking about or meeting and going inside of their heads. And they do so. that, too, because he fought, uh, I forget which side, but he fought, you know, in the Robert's Rebellion, so he would have mm-hmm. met these guys back then before oh, he yeah. came on the thing. So smart there, Martin, you rascal. <laughs> and uh, also, I liked when John is talking to Lord Commander Mormont, there is mm-hmm. a dude named Thorin Smallwood in here who had been one of Alistair Thorne's henchmen and he doesn't approve of the range and thinks it's stupid we shouldn't do this it's a waste of resources and as you know we both know there's eventually a mutiny beyond the wall yes which remember what dies I think he Martin's laying the seats for that here yeah that there's at least one night's watcher who thinks it's a bad idea to go beyond the wall <laughs> and it's going to end in mutiny so he ends up this sentiment will spread among the rest of the team foreshadowing foreshadowing this it's, it's all it's foreshadowing great. oh we also have and then it also foreshadowed some themes ah theme foreshadowing exactly donald nye is just a wonderful source of a uh, great lines 
Talked about Robert Baratheon. <laughs> What's that? He really was. He was. Robert was never the same after he put on that crown. Some men are like swords, made for fighting. Hang them up and they go to rust. So a theme that we have a lot in this series is how power changes you. Yep. The idea that Robert was, you know, a good leader, a strong warrior, and then he puts on a crown and he just he becomes king mm-hmm. and he's just different. He's not the same person he was. He goes to hell. He goes to rust. He starts to be lazy, not really take his job seriously. Yeah. And again, we, we have to ask ourselves that. We have to ask, how does John change when he becomes Lord Commander of the Night's Watch? How does Daenerys change when she goes from Drogo's concubine to leader in her own right? How does mm-hmm. Cersei change when she goes from mother of the king to burner of everybody, queen in her own right? A lot of the book, to me, is about what power does to you and how it changes a person. Yeah. Well said. All right. <laughs> no, I mean, because it was like the analogy or the riddle that we had in, was it this book or the other book? It was, the, yeah, it was this book. With this it book, was, that's right, because it, I was thinking of that. It was last week? Or with, two the, weeks ago, uh, weeks, with the sword, with this, what does the sword mean? And it's all a metaphor for power, and it's mm-hmm. all a metaphor for what wielding that power means. Not necessarily for who wields the power, but what, you, what you're wielding the power for. So the people, what can they do against you? And, uh, okay, finally, I want to ask you this. So, toward the end of it, like, for two pages, Lord Commander Mormont goes on a long, very detailed discussion of Maester Aemon's past mm-hmm. and how he almost became king. Yeah. How he, like, all his relations. You know, he tells this whole story about, he, you know, Maester Aemon's a, a Targaryen dude mm-hmm. from way back in the day. And uh, he was, like, fifth, sixth, fourth in line to get the crown. But his brothers died in battle. His sister was an idiot and couldn't inherit the throne because she was simple. Mm. Um, and he just—he spends a lot of time talking about this. Why do you think he did that? And was it boring to you? It wasn't boring. I mean, it was—it wasn't particularly interesting either. I wasn't—it was not a page-turning conversation. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it was an interesting factor that, like, the idea that he could have been king. Yeah. And then he just wasn't king. Like that was, he has that humble humility in him. I know, and like we're in this middle of we're in the middle of this, you know, dead heat for everybody trying to get to the throne. You've got everybody who's a rightful heir to the throne, yeah. and you've got Joffrey who's not even a rightful heir to the throne. <laughs> he's the product of <laughs> incest, he he and somehow he's managed to you know trump his way into the throne. And we have a guy here who could have had what everybody wants, and was like. I'm good. I'm going to go way up north and exile myself. It's just like, I don't, I, it was very, it was a fascinating juxtaposition between what we've been dealing with mm-hmm. with the characters. And then here's this person who could go completely against the grain. And it's like, why? And he's not, and it's like almost spoken poorly of. Or it's like, well, you yeah. could have been king. Why like wouldn't that. you want to be king? How dare you not be king? And he's just like, whatever. Actually, I hadn't really thought of that. I think you're exactly right. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about how power changes you when you get it. Yeah. What about, what does it say of somebody who could have it but says, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Is that a good thing, a bad thing? It's just a, maybe the, the way to keep power from changing you, maybe this is the lesson, is to not assume it and just stay humble wow. and serve. There you go. My life has changed, and everybody else who's listened to this is now a different person. I was going to complain, because I, I do think George R. Martin has these kind of occasional passages where he... He he loves his own invented history so much that he just kind of like he does goes on about it in a way that's not 
terribly fast when he doesn't really serve a super duper point. But like a broken clock is right twice a day. So like maybe he falls ass backwards into these. <laughs> maybe I'm misinterpreting. Maybe I'm waxing poetic well, no, about because, how I mean, he's got this thing. It makes a lot of sense. It makes perfect sense. It does, but maybe he accidentally did that. Maybe he is just fetishizing his own, <laughs> you know, imagined history. And here we are so many years later, like how many other liter pieces of literature have we hundreds and thousands of years later been like, it means this. And when the person wrote it, it's probably Shakespeare is probably like, this is a joke. <laughs> this is a fart joke. And everybody's this like, oh, this laugh. is so brilliant. This soliloquy is like, it's about a toot. Well, personally, like, what are you talking about? about? Toot. I think we should give him that out because I thought I, I liked interpretation. I think yeah. it's a good thing. And there is technically a point because he's, uh, Lord Commander Mars saying this to, to John. Yeah. Important. And he's comparing it to, um, what happened with Rob? He's yep. saying that Maester Raymond's brother became a king, and he was able to step aside to become a Night's Watchman. Yeah, where he's not going to get any glory. He's not going to marry anybody. He's not going to have kids. He's not going to live in a castle. Not going to wear a crown. Not going to do anything fancy. He's going to be in a cold ice box the rest of his life mm -hmm. with a thick chain, like uh, advising people who are underfed, underpaid. Just it's going to be a hard life. So you, John, your brother's a king now. Rob is a king. Can you do that? Can you be the person who just devotes himself to this kind of, you know, difficult life as a Night's Watchman while your brother goes and gets glory in women and wins battles and does all this cool stuff. Yeah, it's very existential. Perfectly existential for oh, Game of Thrones. It is. Well, and could, could you do it, Josh? Could I do it? Could you serve knowing that your uh, best friend and brother is off living his glory and living his truth? No, no. I'm no? Way, I'm way too selfish <laughs> for that. I couldn't do that. No, I probably could. Well, John could. Oh, John could. wait, you are back on it now? Okay, Maybe. Fine. I don't know. Well, John could. Because John says... John could, yeah. He, 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 he asked John, what will you do if you're tempted by that? Mm -hmm. Like, how will you handle that if it troubles you? And he says, I will be troubled and keep my vows. There you go. He's That's why John's the best. It really is. He's made a vow to the Night's Watch. He's going to keep it. I don't care how cool Rob is right now and how awesome it would be to be like him. Well, I wouldn't want to be Rob knowing what happens to him. So. That's true. But no one here <laughs> knows what's going to happen to him. Right now, Rob's riding pretty high. It's true. Um, which, by the way, that's more thematic foreshadowing because, or even plot foreshadowing because the idea of John's vows. He's made a vow to the Night's Watch, right? Mm -hmm. He will, I don't know what they are. He'll take no lands and have no kids and don't marry anybody, blah, 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 blah. Um, Egret's going to test all of that. Oh, yes, yeah, she He's is. He's going to be tempted to, maybe I should just hook up with this woman and become a wildling because it's a l lot more fun than having no sex for my entire life and being devoted to an old order run by people I don't really like. Solid so, reasoning. So that's going to be his trial. Like, how devoted to these vows really is he? Not and, very devoted. <laughs> what do you mean that's very devoted? Well, at the time, I mean, he is now, but... Let's he is then. Yes, that's he, true. He he doesn't turn for your grit. I mean, we, we know that now. Well, yeah. She also dies. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He kind of had his hand forced. It's like, all right, well, I mean, what are you going to do? He, he doesn't kill her. Well, no, he doesn't kill her, but she dies. It's kind of the options taken away from him. Wait, but that's, I mean, he, he could have, anyway, I mean. He could have. That's, like that's like he, me being he, like. I, he could have gone over to the Wildlands and told him what he knew. He didn't. He goes undercover. And he falls for her, but he still lies to the wildlings, and he still breaks away when he can and goes back to Castle Black and warns them the wildlings are coming. If yeah. he really turned, he would have stayed with her. Or he's playing both sides, and that's actually pretty dishonest. He had to He's play having both his cake sides. and he's eating it too. I disagree. He needs to pick a side. Either you're on the good side, or you're on, or you're on the Night's Watch. No, he's no, no don't he's, mingle. He is the Night's Watch side, and he's then he's selfish because he's like, Ugret's going to come over to the Night's <laughs> Watch because I am Jon Snow. He never so, thought that. Well, yeah. 
I'm what what chapter do we get to in that in this book here? Is a lot. That, is that in this book? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in this book. I mean, the thing where he was. I think you're completely wrong. You're misremembering it. That's my thing. <laughs> no, because he, he, he has to go undercover because it's either that or be killed. And he goes, un- true he goes honor? undercover long enough to learn their stuff. And then he goes back to Castle Black and tells the Night's Watch that they're coming. Here's how they're coming. Here's how we defend them. He never left the Night's Watch in his heart. But the Wildlings just want love. They just want to be loved. Yeah. They just need a hot shower and a good meal. <laughs> that I agree with. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and, and we'll discuss all that, too. When we get to the chapter. Should, should they let through the wildlings? Wildling-human relations. We'll wow. get into all what of it. What a tease it. for that, chaps. If you're not already reading along, you better start now, because that interesting <laughs> conversation is somewhere in your future. We should fight more. I think it's, it we makes should. for good... It's, um, good, com- it's good, uh, good, good fake TV. It's very good. Anyway, next week is going to be Catlin 1, another of these series of introductions. Look forward to probably, I'm going to guess more recap and more foreshadowing until we get to like (laughs) Catlin 4 or something. All right. Anyway, thanks for watching, everybody. We'll be back next week, Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Here on the Windscreen Facebook page, more Game of Thrones news, more Slang Wise and Fire discussion, more genre fiction, extrapolation, and more A Song of Dan and Josh. Thanks for watching. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.